Pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by your favorite 27 year olds, it's Pete. And it's PJ. A Beach Boys Boys production. That's oh, yeah. Place. That'll be in there, yeah. <laughs> nah, that's good. I just remembered that we are a Beach Boys Boys production. The further we get from the Beach Boys, you know, the, the softer the those f- waves crashing. The f- farther we stray. Yeah, yeah. We're going more and more inland. Uh, we are not going to the air as one hilarious listener suggested that we do, you know, earth, yeah. earth, sea, and then air. Uh, although we kind of are, because we're going up to heaven <laughs> <laughs> to hang out with with some of the most famous dead musicians alive, is what I was going to say, but that doesn't make any sense. That's so. true. And soon we'll have our place right next to them in the 27 yeah. Club. So, yeah, we figured since we are both 27-year-olds, uh, it would yep. be apropos to for our next uh, musical podcasting journey to cover the members of the 27 Club, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know about the 27 Club, it's a kind of unofficial, uh, unofficial grouping of artists and musicians who all died at the age of 27. Oh, so. is that what it is? Okay. That is what it is, yeah. So as world-famous podcast, uh, you know, producers and, and hosts, uh, we figure there's a small chance uh, if we die. We don't want to die. We're not trying to die. But there's a small chance that, you know, we could join the club this year as the first podcasting members of the 27 Club. Yeah. So we figured we'd look into what the club is, what we're jumping into. I mean, they've you got know. artists in it in this thing. They've got That's musicians. Right. Why not That's podcasters? Right. Why not podcasters? We're almost as... You know, influential, I guess I would say, is the members of the 27, yeah. the existing members of the club. So we might as well Almost, get in there. I would, <laughs> I would say we are as influential. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. See, I thought it was like a, a Disney Club 33 thing where they just had a number on it. I don't Oh, yeah. But I didn't no know. to the number. I mean, I guess yeah. I don't. Are there 27 members of it? Is that why it's called the 27 Club? I don't. I'm a little it unclear. Could be. I know we're 27 years old, so we thought it would make sense to, yeah, to talk about it. We're we're we'll all see. about numbers here over at yeah. the 27 Club. It's a real yeah numerology, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like 911 adds up to 27 if you do it correctly. That's true. Because because nine <laughs> nine <laughs> minus one minus one is seven, and then there's two ones, oh. so 27. <laughs> and then you had them. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. I know, right, man? Pretty impressive. Man. Yeah. Do you think with that so. kind of logic we could get Joe Rogan on the cast? How old is he? Is he 27? Oh, I'm sure he's 27. Yeah. Yeah. Times two? I don't know. Actually, no. I Probably in his 40s. He could be 60. I don't know how old that motherfucker yeah, is. I don't know. He's one of those guys who, yeah, he might be very old, but is in obnoxiously like good shape. So. Yeah. Because of all see. the bow hunting he, he does. He's 54. Jesus. Honestly, that's about 10 years older than I would have guessed he was if I had to make a real guess. See, he was on news radio, though, which kind of made me think he was in his 50s. I don't remember or I didn't know he did anything before his podcast, honestly. Uh, He was also the host of Fear Factor. Jesus. I barely remember that show. I remember not wanting to watch that show. (laughs) That's the main thing I remember. I remember it being Uh, on at dinner time, and they would be eating bugs and I'd be like, oh, yeah, why? This is. Yeah. pleasant that i'm you know <laughs> so 
Yeah, so the 27 Club, we're going to go through not every member. There's a lot of members. If you look up the uh, the Wikipedia page, which is basically the official 27 Club uh, member yeah, site. This, yeah. yeah, you have to enter your password well, it, and everything to get in. It's that, and then there's... Your membership dues are a donation of your choosing <laughs> to get into the Wikipedia page. Exactly. Once uh, every year. So, yeah. The official things are the Wikipedia page, and then mm-hmm. there's a, a scroll buried deep beneath the earth in, um, yes. well, it's in my backyard, but yeah. um, it's not very deep either. It's, I don't know, what is it, two centimeters or so. Yeah. I just kind of throw yeah. some loose dirt over it um, that I've been keeping that I copied off of the Wikipedia page. So Smart. Nice. And then yeah. it's got our names in to be determined. I, yeah, TB, TBD. No new members for a while. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't want to get morbid about it, but like it is kind of time for a new 27 Club member. Because, honest, what's kind of crazy um, is that none of, there have been a lot of younger uh, like rappers who've died in the last few years. And it's kind of yeah. wild that none of them uh, I was made it thinking into the 27 that. Club. Like a because, Lil Peep. Yeah, type. I thought everybody was saying that Lil Peep was in it. But he is must he, have been. Let me look again at the, maybe I missed it, but. No, no, I think you're the right. The most I don't recent think one is... on Wikipedia is Benjamin oh, he was 21. Q, Elvis Presley's grandson. There is a rapper named Frito Santana who died in 2018, but I've never heard of them. No, and I was so, thinking Juice World was in it, but I was yeah. wrong about that too. And like Mac Miller, um, there's a lot. I think Mac Miller's 26. I looked him up. I'm pretty sure he was just outside the. Oh yeah, I have a whole list range. of people. He seems that... like a perfect 27 Club member. Really? Oh yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of people who should be in the 27 Club. Yeah. They're well, Otis right was around. 26. So Bradley Noel of Sublime, okay. he was either 26 or 28. All yeah. of these people are either 26 or 28. Otis Redding, mm-hmm. uh, the the Big Bopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Gaines, uh, Mac Miller, yep. Graham Parsons, mm. Nick Drake, and the original guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Hillel mm. Slovak. Yeah. And then um, this one, I know the rest have been musicians, but the next one is my favorite actor, um, John Wilkes Booth. Oh, nice. Was damn near <laughs> had, in it. I had no idea. That's interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He would have been, I think, the oldest member of it, at least according to, again, the official website, Wikipedia. Because uh, the earliest member they list was born in or died in 1892 so john wilkes booth would have definitely been the earliest yeah which which makes me think with that many people who are like that i don't know influential kind of um yeah oh did i say tim buckley did i get him in there because you didn't say it but okay um but there should be a 26 and a 28 club as well i feel like yeah it it kind of seems like there would be a, if it was just yeah like the 26 through 28 club <laughs> yeah because the mid 20s yeah, club a lot of famous people who died young were either were like right around 27 but weren't quite 27 right um, and i think heath ledger was right around there too i might be wrong oh about that's that. interesting let's look that i kind of feel like he might have been older but let's look it up he was 28 really okay there you go yeah damn so yeah well so yeah so as obviously the 27 club mostly is known i think i would say mostly is known as a group of musicians but it does yeah technically include other artists artists and actors and and stuff we're obviously since this is a music podcast we're just going to cover yep um the music the musician members uh but there are some people i mean like the earliest uh or i mean there's a lot of famous 
other people like John Michael Basquiat was is probably right. the most famous non-musician member. People like um oh what was his name? Anton Yelchin, the actor right. who died a few years ago. Um so there's there's a few and and this podcast, I know what a lot of people are going to say. <laughs> it's designed to make you feel bad that you've done nothing <laughs> because you're either older or about the same age as these people. That's right. And that's not the case. I was no. just thinking it's crazy that Heath Ledger was our age when he was doing his, you know, award-winning portrayal of the jokester. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've not done the jokester in my life. Have you ever done anything jokester-worthy? Besides this podcast, of course, because, no. like we've said, we're as yeah. influential as as maybe the jokester men. We do make people smile, I have to say. It's <laughs> That's the yeah. That's the one uh, yeah. thing we got going, um, <laughs> in line with the jokester. <laughs> that's right. You know, serious question: Should they have not done more jokers after him? Kind of seems like they could have just retired the Joker, in film it, at least for a really while. It really does. Like yeah. they've done a lot of jokers, like pretty soon after he died, and it just and seems like it could have been, been good. No, exactly. Like his was good. Like the Dark Knight is probably the best superhero movie ever. Yeah. Although there's a there's apparently a bunch of plot holes I've now learned from Reddit in that movie that oh. some people consider it to actually not be very good because if you remember the, uh, I think when The Dark Knight Rises came out, the third one, there were like a lot of people had problems with it because there were a bunch of weird plot holes in it. And then it kind of spurred revisiting of the earlier ones and people realizing that like there's a bunch of crazy nonsense in The Dark Knight that also doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. Yeah. So Heath These Ledger, people... not actually that good of a last role, turns out. Oh, okay. <laughs> what we well, it, it wasn't even his last role. He had one after. Oh, really? The, what was The it? Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Oh, good. That's nice. Yeah. So, back to the 27 Club. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. No, this is good practice for, I'm sure, when we, when, if, if we join the 27 Club, we're just going to be sitting around up in heaven doing podcasts with all the other members <laughs> of the 27 Club. Shooting the shit about plot holes in The Dark Knight with Jimi Hendrix and Kurt oh, Cobain. Dude. Yeah. Well, and, you know, just adjacent <laughs> on the other side of a chain link fence, he, yeah. we could talk to Heath Ledger, stick a microphone through it. Yeah, that's right, because we're right got... next to the 26 and 28. Exactly. It's just like the prison yards are separated, you know, so. Yeah. When we're and out. And that's how, that's how heaven works with everybody, despite being in a club. Yeah. You're, whatever age you died at, that's where you that's have right. to live. And then the That's why it's cool club. to die young. Yeah. Exactly. You're in a different, you know, a, a subsection of the 27-year-old heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the that, upper so echelon. is the 700 Club just people who died at 700 <laughs> years old, like Noah is in the yeah. 700 Club? <laughs> it's, it's just a it's, bunch of old Bible guys. <laughs> there's, there's like six dudes up there, yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of, a lot of uh, sea turtles as well. That's right, yeah. Um. So the 27 Club, back to just a little bit of surface level kind of history if people don't know what the 27 Club is. Um, it's a, a gained prominence, really, uh, like became a, a big thing to, to music fans when in about two years in the late 60s from like 1968 to 1970, Brian Jones, who listeners of this cast are familiar with, yep. Jimi Hendrix... Yep. Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison all died at 27 years old um, from accidental deaths. I mean, 
I guess every death is kind of even if you're murdered, you didn't want to be murdered, so that's kind of an accident. Yeah, I mean, no, I guess I like none of them committed suicide on purpose, as far as we know. It was all an overdose type thing, and right? they were all kind. Yeah, they were all kind of like weird deaths. Yeah, is exactly. Part of it too true. They're all weird deaths, and they were also pretty much all like the most famous that they ever were when they died too. Like, yeah. None of them were on like a downslope of their career. Brian Jones kind of technically was like he just got fired from the Stones, so like yeah. But he was, you know, no one in the public really knew or yeah. Like yeah. they they announced it and then he died pretty much immediately after. So like he was still, you know, very much right a famous. Yeah, person, I would so. say the Stones were at the, you know, one of the heights of their popularity yeah. during that time. So it sort of became a music nerd. Thing to be into like a you know a fun theory like paul is dead or something in the years after yeah. after all those deaths um and then when kurt cobain died in 1994 at 27 that really brought the idea back up 27 again. 27 years ago <laughs> yeah that's right um especially because when after he died there was some quote that was printed in a bunch of articles from his mom uh saying that she like didn't want him joining that club which mm-hmm. technically apparently she might have been talking about other members of his family who committed suicide but doesn't matter people just took it to mean <laughs> the 27 club yeah and uh so then that added a bunch of like mystique to it and really made it like this kind of pop culture phenomenon um so people would jump in or lump in John Michael Basquiat who we already talked about and Robert Johnson um who around the time actually that all the people in the late 60s died um around that time is when they like when they officially learned that robert johnson died at 27 they weren't sure oh okay for a long time. i didn't we'll, know that we'll get to that later in the episode yeah so so like they would add them to the to the kind of main grouping and you know that's i think around when it became a thing to do murals you know to make t-shirts like have posters yeah. of the 27 club of all them jamming up in heaven at the gas station stuff like that exactly <laughs> yeah um and then it you know further cemented you know, and i oh go ahead i totally understand it. it you ever jammed at a gas station pete oh yeah it's unlike any jamming you'll ever yeah, do exactly you got so many banging yeah. on the pumps as a drum yeah so yeah so like we talked about earlier there's a long list of other musicians actors artists um so a lot of them are less famous and like, I don't know, arguable. Like obviously if yeah. you are a person of note and you died at 27, you're kind of a part of the club. But I think most people think of it as being kind of like a core around a dozen, like 12 to 15 people yeah. at the most, if not less. Uh, so we're going to talk about around, I think, 11 of the musicians in the show. Um, some that are less famous will you know, we won't cover quite as much. The more famous ones will cover their whole career in roughly the chronological order of their death. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so if you didn't think, uh, you know, us talking about people who like beat women or yeah. did insane amounts of drugs was born. Or married Now we're going to talk about, or... yeah. <laughs> Big Trump supporters. Yeah, now, yeah. uh. Now we're going to get into the death part. Yeah, exactly. So. Real morbid. We're, I guess we could, we could preface, like, I think people know that we're a comedy podcast and that most of what we say yep. is not meant to be taken seriously at all. Um, well. 
if we I were... think we're about stone cold facts, but okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if we were more famous people at all, we might have run into a little bit of trouble so far, but we'll, you know, uh, we obviously are going to make a lot of jokes about people dying. <laughs> and yeah. We don't mean any of it seriously. Just it's a, yeah. Maybe it's a, Peter It's does. a comedy show, so... If that's going to make you uncomfortable or if you're such a big fan of a Jim Morrison that you don't want to hear jokes about his death, maybe skip those episodes. Or if you don't know any yeah. of these people have died, here's a big yeah, spoiler a spoil. warning. But just so people know, we're not trying to disrespect anybody, but we'd much <clears throat> rather laugh about it than take it super seriously. So There might be somebody that I do mean to disrespect along the way. It's possible. Um, yeah, Hold if they're like an awful person. Yeah, exactly. No, that's true. Like when Brian Jones died, I don't think it's that untoward no. to uh, make jokes about it being. Uh, He's like, the biggest piece God, of shit in the world. He's not beating yeah. Anita Pallenberg anymore, right? So yeah, there's some yeah, there's some legitimate things to say about these people dying, but not all of them. We'll see. So, PJ, do you want to go ahead and jump in to the first member of the Twenty Seven Club? Let's do it, Pete. All right. So the first member of the Twenty Seven Club died in 1892. A piano composer named Alexander Levy. So let's go uh-huh. ahead. You have the the music pulled up for Alexander Levy. Yeah, let, let me. Okay, um, sure. And that's Levy. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Eugene Levy of American okay. Pie fame. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. My favorite series of movies. I love people talk about Schitt's Creek, and I'm like, uh, have you guys seen hey, the American Pie franchise? that's really where eugene levy shines people talk about his capital one ads and i'm like guys get back to american pie he's so funny oh god he is and those eyebrows they even add to the comedy man yeah this is a Stuart deaver's mm-hmm. interpretation so you can tell, I mean, just listening to the way these notes land, how ahead of his time he was. And what's even more impressive is that he did all this while totally dragged out on heroin. Oh. Yeah, which is how he died. I don't know how he died. Ah, <laughs> uh, we gotcha. Just kidding. Let's get to Robert Johnson, PJ. <laughs> you threw me for a loop, Pete. That's right. I gotcha. I got your ass. He was scrambling to find some oh. uh, Alexander. He's like, what? We didn't talk about this before the show. Uh, so Robert Johnson really is kind of a unique member of the 27 Club because he was famous for a lot more and yeah. than being part of the club. And he was also, f- like, world famous earlier than, the t- you know, before the 27 Club was yeah. even a thing. Um, as opposed to, you know, he's, the like, kind of the original member of it, but I guess all the other members when they died is around when the 27 Club became a thing, so... Their deaths were always kind of tied up in in being part of that legend, but his wasn't for for quite a while. So, because his date of death wasn't officially confirmed until the late '60s, uh, when some historians got digging into him and found a death certificate oh, from okay. 1930, whatever, when that would have made him 27 years old. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's he's a weird figure, steeped in mystery. I think for. Yep. A good portion of his life and uh, even afterwards. Yeah. It would have been, I guess, 1938 because he was born in Mississippi in 1911. Uh, yeah. So let's let's jump into a little Robert Johnson's life story, Peach. 
I would love to. <laughs> so he was born in Mississippi. He went to Memphis soon after because his dad was forced out of Mississippi by a white lynch mob. Oh. So, yeah. Fun it's, times yeah. in Mississippi in 1911. His father, he, he owned land, and that was problematic for a lot of people. So they ran him out of the state. So uh, he went to school in Memphis where he took music classes uh, before moving back to Mississippi when he was a little older. Um, and kept going to school and taking music classes, which kind of set him apart from other blues musicians from the time hmm. that he was like formally educated, basically, as opposed to learning yeah. stuff, you know, I don't on know, the fly sitting around the farm and everything. So, yep. um, yeah. So he moved back to Mississippi when his mom remarried and during this time earned the nickname little Robert dusty. <laughs> Which is all I'm ever going to call Robert Johnson from now on, because that is a fantastic nickname. LRD, love it. Yeah. Uh, he got married in 1929 when he was 18 to a 16-year-old who died in childbirth. So first of okay. his many short-lived relationships. Um, her relatives thought it was due to little Robert Dusty's decision to v- devote his life to secular music. So God... <laughs> you know secular smote music. his life or whatever by killing killing his 16 year old brad yeah um around this time um robert little robert dusty sorry i almost called him robert johnson uh around this time he met his like first uh fellow musicians um when sun house came to the area to meet up with willie brown to you know exchange ideas and play some music so Both he, super cool dudes with super cool names. Yeah, right? So he met Little Robert, um, and at that time he said he was competent at harmonica but terrible at guitar. Hmm. Uh, and he would meet him again a couple years later and change his tune, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so Little Robert eventually decided to head to another town in Mississippi uh, where he met up with a guy named Ike Zimmerman, who was a pretty uh, famous blues guitar player. One of them Jewish fellows. <laughs> a famous blues guitar player who was famous at the time because he was rumored to have learned guitar supernaturally by visiting graveyards at night. So he went, he decided to learn from Zimmerman. And, I, I have uh, truly never heard of this guy. Yeah. Um, is he, he is like an old, like black blues musician, right? I mean, I didn't, they didn't have a picture of him on the, uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Zimmerman is a very strange name for uh, a black man in the in the twenties. True. All the photos of him on Google look like he is the devil. I mean, mostly just one of them has the photo effect where like his eyes are all one color because of the glare, and it's yeah. really fucking freaky looking. <laughs> That's the picture Ghost Adventures would use when they go to like Isaiah Zimmerman's house to <laughs> hang out for the night. That is a strange, because, like, it is kind of a weird name. That's true. Because, like, Jewish people didn't really own slaves in the, like, early days. Yeah, that was not... I don't know. Maybe someone married into the family at some point, and they got the last name. I mean, hell, in a couple episodes, we're going to get to Jimi Hendrix, whose real legitimate family name was Hendrix with an X, so. Yeah, like that's true. People got people got weird names, Peach. That's true names they're weird i love that you're adding more conspiracy to this already like kind of weird conspiracy theory origin story for robert johnson that ah but then there was this black jewish guy (laughs) (laughs) 
It's just strange. I didn't know that, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is he, a weird name. somebody pulled a Sammy Davis Jr., yeah. you know, 40 years before yeah. his time. So, so he met up with Ike Zimmerman, and when he returned from that trip, the next time Sunhouse saw him play, which was about two years later, but mm-hmm. next time he saw him play, he was a virtuoso at guitar, and the rumors started flying. So the legend is that he heard of a location, a crossroads, where mm-hmm. he could take his guitar at midnight, and when he met went, he met a large black man, who's also the devil, but uh, who took his who guitar. Who came up with this story? What's that? Who came up with this story? Was it a white guy? I don't know. No, I think that's just like the rumor for some reason that it wasn't like the devil. It was just a huge, a huge guy like who met him hmm. at the crossroads. So I was anyway. going to say, I've always imagined the devil is a white man. <laughs> I mean, probably, but maybe he, mm-hmm. you know, the devil PJ works in mysterious way. Our, our Lord and savior, the devil works in mysterious ways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe he just wanted to make Robert Johnson feel comfortable. So he's like, I'm going to appear, you know. That could be, yeah. As an African-American it, gentleman. To probably a little touchy with white folk day. after he got, yeah. you know, run right. out of right, a right. state by a lynch mob. Yeah. So the guy took his guitar, tuned it, played some songs, gave it back. And then after that, Robert Johnson was incredible at guitar. Um, so part of the, like, legend of all of this, this was a story people told about Robert Johnson, but... Part of it taking hold in popular culture was in the mid-60s, you know, at the height of blues rock reinterpretation and everything, uh, there was a magazine article with Sunhouse who said, who kind of confirmed that he thought that legend was true. Hmm. Yeah. So it really took hold with that whole generation of, you know, Eric Clapton's Rolling Stones type people and their fans and became part of the mythos. Um, I heard that Billie Eilish yeah. also sold her soul to the devil. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Have you heard her music? It's very satanic. Very satanic. And how else does a young, rich, white person from L.A. with music-producing parents become a famous musician, you know? Like, there's no other no way sense. except to sell your soul to the devil. Exactly. And and my pastor says it's sinful, so. Sure. So what we know for, for real is that he definitely went and met up with Zimmerman and like played with him for a while. Uh, and we also know that they practiced at graveyards at night, but the like, you know, quote unquote real reason uh, was that it was quiet and they were like further away from town. So people wouldn't come bother them while they were playing. They could go be alone hmm. and not, not be bothered. So that's pretty smart. Yeah. Let's see. Went back to the other part of Mississippi, uh, had a bastard child and then married another woman. But then a, a pretty much immediately abandoned her uh, to start his life as a wandering musician, uh, which would be the rest of his life from the early 30s to 1938 when he died. Right, right. Uh, so he spent most of his time in kind of the area between Memphis, Tennessee, and then southern Arkansas. Uh, traveled around to a lot of other towns in Arkansas and Mississippi at different points people are like historians are pretty sure he visited new york chicago canada st louis like he did some trips further afield but mostly Mm. hung out in that kind of area of the of the south between mississippi arkansas and tennessee what makes it hard to track him uh like you said his life was kind of mysterious uh is that he usually gave fake names when he traveled uh so it's really hard it was really hard for like historians to pinpoint exactly where and who he was 
and you know it was before a lot of photographs it was before a lot of written records like newspapers probably weren't really doing oh you don't have to tell me this was a while before photographs because there's one picture of robert johnson anyone has ever fucking seen it's like you know so there's just not a huge trail it's a lot of a lot of the things that they know were other musicians he played with or like he had a lot of girlfriends like in every town he would revisit he had a a girlfriend in that town who he would like stay with and you know bone for that week and then come back a year later and do it again so like people like that are musicians he traveled with for a couple months at a time Mm-hmm. but it's it was a lot of work to track it all down when historians really started looking into it because you know they'd all know him by different names and everything so um so usually as a traveling musician he'd show up in some small town he'd busk on the main street for a little while before you know hoping to get like offered a gig at a bar or something yeah. um he actually this is all very interesting he usually did not play the blues at his shows he often played more like pop songs of the 30s, you know, as it were, like swing, jazz, bop yeah. type music, um, and a lot of country. Hmm. So at least live, he did not play very much blues, although that's almost all of his recorded material. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, other musicians. Oh, go ahead. If, if you're going to like a bar or a club at this time, yeah. you're not going to want to hear sad blues music unless it's like. One of those dimly lit bars that old dudes go to at 2 p.m., Yeah, you know? Then it's like, oh, yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah. swing music kind of makes sense to me that that's yeah, right? what he was playing. Yeah, Danceable, more of a party atmosphere. What's interesting is that when he started, when he got a recording deal, as much as his deal was, um, right. when he got a recording deal, like, it was from a northern uh, company, music publisher, And they, like, he offered to play other stuff, but they only wanted blues um, Hmm. because they were, like, going to go print it in, like, Chicago and New York where they were only interested in selling this, you know, black guitarist playing blues. They didn't care that he played jazz or whatever. But it's just interesting that difference where then in the South when he was playing shows, like, no one wanted to hear the blues as much. And, you know. That is interesting. Yeah. Apparently other musicians who played with him he was not really known for playing blues. Like I said, and like he wasn't known as a great blues guitarist. He was more known as an incredible just musician who could learn stuff uh, by ear. Like someone would like play a record and he could immediately play the song live, like right afterwards um, Hmm. and stuff like that. So he was more, a little more well-known to other musicians for being like a really, really great musician and a good, what is that called when you can pick up something by ear? I feel like there's a term for that um maybe uh, is that it, having perfect pitch i don't know not no really. it's not quite perfect pitch um but anyway so this, that's interesting yeah. because this i was thinking about all the parallels between robert johnson and then the next person we're talking about and this mm-hmm. kind of like plays into that as well yeah, it's interesting bit. yeah uh so eventually little robert dusty uh w- decided to search out someone to record him and through like a friend of a friend of a friend, he ended up working with a guy named Don Law from Columbia Records. Don so, Law. Don Law. What a stupid name. Yeah. So he recorded, I believe, just two times, once in San Antonio and once in Dallas. Um, and he recorded a total of 29 songs that make up all the recorded material of Robert Johnson's. Um, there are alternate takes for almost all those songs. So like if you get yeah. a you know complete collection, it's more than that. But... 29 distinct songs 
Okay. Um, and then Don Law was actually sent down. That's like when they knew. We'll get to his death a little later, but it was like in the 30s and in the area he was, such a rural area. No one really would have known he died except that Don Law was sent from Columbia to go find him to record more music like the hmm. year after he died and spent a long time looking for him and eventually learned he died. So otherwise it probably would have taken longer for people to know. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So Don Law kind of a, uh, you know, key figure, I guess, in his life and recorded a lot of blues, um, a lot of blues artists, I should say, from the South at that time. So his first single was Terraplane Blues for Columbia, and all his singles did really well. All of his records sold well for Columbia, which is why Don was sent back down to record more eventually. What a um, fun fucking job, though. Dude, like in the third, yeah. I mean, like first of he, all, you have a good job during the Depression, so you're already winning. Yeah. <laughs> but to be working right. for a record company and just be like, hey, we heard this musician exists like in Mississippi just go find that and just like drive around and ask yeah. about them and like ask club owners, like, did you ever have this guy play here? And then, right. Like your only job too, is to like make their day by being like, we want to record you and sell your music and every, like as long yeah. as they weren't fucking them over money wise, I have no idea what their like well, contracts I know looked like, but th that's the exact cool story with, um, muddy waters is that he was, you know, like he, he was a sharecropper. And yeah. then these like record producers pull up one day and they're like, uh, yeah, somebody, uh, you know, came to us and said that they heard you playing like yeah. after you guys are done working, uh, we just want to record something like they'd never heard it. So yeah. I was seeing if it was the same guy, but cause I'd heard the name, but later on Don Law did a lot of stuff with, um, Johnny Cash, Marty oh, Robbins. Cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it seems like there was a bit of a, um, like a bit of a rush in the thirties to like take advantage of the yeah. blues. So there were probably yeah. kind of like in the fifties when like they were literally going to high schools to audition every teenager in the school to try and find like a, you know, teen pop singer. Right. Um, it seemed like they did a lot of just literally driving around and being like, do you know anyone who plays guitar around here? Just to try and find like the next yeah. blues Which artist is that would sell. So crazy that that yeah. was, I mean, I was, I mean, Imagine that happening it, it, now. Like that is just not even a little that's bit what, how music is right. how music and that's, contracts are done it, now. It's changed so much because yeah. very few people who do not grow up rich and like industry adjacent at the very least become popular at all. Yeah. Well, so it just, just seems like just weird. labels no longer like really seek out new stuff. Like they're not interested in no. seeking out like what is that new whatever sound or interesting thing. No, they but create it. And a lot of that is the what. internet, I guess, where people yeah. can just publish themselves, and so they just kind of wait for it to like get popular on its own, and then sign the people. Which yeah. yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Anyway, um, Terraplane Blues. I've been gone. I set up 
I'm so impressed when anybody can like sing like that and play guitar like that at the yeah. same time. Because yeah. it's like so much going on in each, mm-hmm. and I have no idea how it's done. <laughs> it is impressive. I'm just impressed. Like I've I haven't listened to a ton of Robert Johnson. I listen I've listened a little bit through the years, but yeah, it's like wild how much and kind of how accurately like those mid '60s blues guys just straight up like copied the like he yeah it makes robert johnson sound like way ahead of his time kind of because it's like the exact same shit that then white guys from london started doing in the 60s um right so it just makes it sound like he was like 30 years ahead of his time but that's true yeah very good um i see why people were like Especially if he like sucked and then came back two years later. Right. I see why people are like, he must have fucking sold his soul <laughs> for that yeah. shit. Yeah. Because yeah. like that is a fast. That's learning. You're learning fast, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess if you play constant, like you know, artists who play all the time will definitely grow a lot in two years. But that's a yeah. lot to go from just being bad to this. Um. So let's also listen to a few things. And I mean, this is where part of the like conspiracy came from that he met the devil at the crossroads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When he's like writing autobiographical songs about it. Yeah. Somewhat interestingly, there's they have no idea which crossroads it was. There's like seven different crossroads in Mississippi and Arkansas and Tennessee that all claim that they're the one he went to. Oh. Do each of them have a sign? Yeah. Like the most famous, what's interesting, the most famous one that has like, that the most people go to is almost definitely the one that it isn't. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. But it's just a uh, lot of weird reason, you know, because it's one historian will say, we think it's this one. People will clamor to be like, let's put up a plaque, let's do all this. And then five years later, yeah. a different historian will be like, it definitely wasn't that one. It's this one. Yeah. But it's like just individual historians kind of doing their own research and like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll interview like, yeah, one random person who's like, oh, I'm pretty sure it was that crossroads. Like, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's so weird how like things get twisted like that. Right. Um, like uh, my girlfriend is that her hometown on the sign, it says Glenn Miller's boyhood home. But he, he lived there for like yeah. two years yeah. when he was like 13 through 15. Right. And then her mom owns the house that Glenn Miller lived at at that time. Nice. And it's like, it's so weird that they're like, yeah, he lived here for like his whole boyhood. Yeah. It's like, no, he lived here for like two years when his family was dirt poor and he lived in a boarding house. Yeah. It's, That's funny. Yeah. That's like, do they call the house the mood? <laughs> yeah, because they're in the mood. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this one, and then we could listen to, let's jump to Hellhound on my trail. Cause you're right that like he wrote some songs that are kind of autobiographical and like, yeah, enhance the, the legend in it. Wh- makes wh- you wonder. Which I wonder which came first. If like he was, exactly. 
if he heard these, like, they were, somebody was like, I heard you go to the crossroads every yeah, night yeah. and learn from the devil. And then he was like, well, I don't know about that. And then he writes a song yeah. about it. And or if he wrote the song and they're like, of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was definitely kind of a showman. Like, he was apparently, like, really good at, like, crowd banter and everything and would, like, yeah. almost never would get, like, run out of town. He would insta- he would yeah. be, like, wel- welcome back. Excuse me. Welcomed back every time, even though he was like a crazy alcoholic and was not like super great to the women fucking everybody in town yeah but like he was a very like outside of that he was a very likable guy and like Mm -hmm. so yeah he might have been savvy enough to be like but this will enhance my like legend if i write these songs at the time who was nice to women well i'm not saying he gets a pass but like that probably wasn't seen as a bad thing then. Yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, he beats women, but so does everybody. I like this song a lot. This song's very good. Well, and you, you brought up something, which is absolutely true. All of the songs are a little bit the same. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all blues at the end of the day. You yeah. Know, blues song, but... but I have to imagine the time, like, just blew people's minds. I also am so impressed that like I know this isn't like the crispest recording in the world but I'm so impressed that in the 30s they could get it as crisp as they got it right yeah that's true um oh we're so all these I guess not Hellhound but Crossroad Blues and then uh, Terraplane Blues and the next couple were all just from the first recording session he did. So these were all ones yeah. he already had had in his pocket, as they say. Um, let's do I believe I'll dust my broom next. Um, so I... We, we had been talking about doing this podcast, but we had to wait until I turned 27, because yes. as of the time of recording, I turned 27 15 days ago. Uh, yeah, 15 days ago. Um, and so, like, I'd been listening to Robert Johns for a long time. It is the perfect music to listen to, because I was doing a lot of woodworking for, like, presents for the holidays, yeah. and it's, like, the perfect music to listen to while you're, like, woodworking. Nice. It's phenomenal. Um yeah, I got for Christmas actually. PJ made me that dildo chair from Burn After Reading. <laughs> he kept, I kept going yeah. down to the basement to see what he was working on. And he's like, "It's a secret. It's a secret. Get out of here." Well, and I saw it in a magazine, it and me. I figured I could build that. <laughs> Just shipped it to me in a gigantic box. Yeah, it did, was pretty. Did special. you like it? This is first sweet time. Oh, I PJ, didn't know you fantastic. received it. Yeah, my wife has been Perfect. gone for a week or two. And, uh, yeah. Man, it's been a lifesaver. <laughs> Um, so kind of a fun little anecdote when Brian Jones, fellow 27 Club member, uh, first shared Robert Johnson's music with Keith Richards when they started The Stones, uh, Keith's first question after listening to a few songs was, but who's the other guitar player? It's like, it's him and then the other guitar player. Who is it? And Brian's like, no, it's just the one guy. And Keith couldn't believe it. So, which kind of makes sense for his whole fucking guitar career. (laughs) Yeah. That he needs another lead. Right, right. 
It is impressive. Uh, speaking of the stones, we could jump to Love in Vain, which we know from Let It Bleed. Um, and I know we talked about it during the episode, but I had like forgotten that they covered the Robert Robert Johnson track. Yeah, I think their version is just so different than the original. Yeah. This so um, the the compilation of his albums is called um, what's that called um, King of the Delta Blues Singers mm-hmm. and um, if you listen to it on Spotify and just keep letting let Spotify like running after it's done it's a solid solid it's like the best Spotify has ever been because usually when I'm like listening through an album and then it goes to the next thing I'm like what the fuck do they think yeah. I like like listening to but with this it was like. It's the only time I've been like Spotify. That's on point. Yeah. Good job. Like, did it just keep playing other Robert Johnson or like other blues music that was similar? It was like sixty percent Robert Johnson yeah. um, stuff that wasn't on that album, and then the other forty percent was yeah, like Sun House and like other music of the era. Maybe a little bit later, like forties, but um, it was a good listen. I mean, he is playing rhythm and lead at the same time right now, which is kind of impressive. Yeah. Like, that is impressive shit. Well, the fact he can do the, like, bass and then right. like, and get those high that. notes. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, So let's do two more. So first of all, let's do their Red Hot, which is an example. It's the only recorded example of him playing non-blues music. Because uh, apparently, yeah, when he got there, the guy was like, "Yeah, just play whatever you'd usually play." And he started in like this swing jazz song, and he went, "Actually, no, not no more of that." Yeah. Um, this song is covered by both um, Eric Clapton and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, perfect. What's crazy too is how different his voice sounds. Like he's definitely changing up yeah. his vocal style to do like a different genre, you know. He's he's code switching. Yeah. I do love this. It's really Speak, great. Yeah. I, speaking of I'm Glenn Miller, disappointed. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to have more Robert Johnson music of any kind, but I yeah. kind of wish there was like a full session where he just did all his weird like country jazz swing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because if this is any indication, it'd be a dope yeah, album. Yeah. It'd be sweet. I also love the way he's smiling in the picture that they have of him. Yeah. He looks like a little kid who doesn't know how to smile. Like, it was probably the only picture ever taken of him. But, like, yeah. well, he likes, at least the only looks, one they were ever able to find. Because I think they didn't have a photo of him till like, the 80s. Um, really? Yeah. When they... Let me find it. That was in... Until the 80s, they didn't have a picture of him, yeah, but they found... Wait, that's confusing. In the next sentence, they say three pictures of him were located in 1972 and 73. So they must have meant until the 70s. Okay. So so apparently... Yeah, there were there was the studio portrait, which is the one that I think's on like all the album covers. Yeah. Taken by Don Law. And then there were two of the same photo that was taken at some store where like you get your photograph taken, I guess. 
Okay. Yeah, he um, he looks like a six-year-old who doesn't know how to smile for a picture. Uh, so then the last one, let's do Ramblin' on My Mind, which is a good example of he also was really good at slide guitar, so we can hear some slide from him. Oh, yeah, this is a banger. And again, like, being able to play... Like the bassy, like boom, 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 yeah. and slide at the same time is truly, and and that's a thing that like you don't ever hear outside of Delta Blues of this era. Yeah, like even even older blues guys like BB King don't do it like this. Yeah. Like they were like a metronome with their thumb. I don't know how they do it. It's pretty good. I mean, as listeners to uh, the Rolling Stones studs know, I'm no big fan of acoustic blues, so I will say after like two or three songs, I get pretty bored of Robert Johnson, but in small doses like this, he is inarguably like excellent. I love it. I, I like everything he's done. Um, I also have another song I would like to Oh yeah, sure. Go for it whenever you're ready. But you treat me so unkind. I kind of feel like was Ramblin' on my mind covered by the Stones too? Or am I thinking? Do they just have a different song with Ramblin'? Wait. Is this the one that I'm the, thinking of that Midnight Led Zeppelin stole? Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I knew they had something with Rambler. Which which Robert Johnson song is the one where he's like? Um. She made me love her. Now a man don't come. And I need this morning. You Sorry, don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's my fault. I've been crying. You can't really sing a Robert Johnson song to somebody and right. you know have them know what it is. Um, the last one I want to talk about is "Sweet Home Chicago." Oh yeah, good choice. Because this might be my favorite Robert Johnson song. Yeah. Well, this is. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, this is kind of like a mix between his swing stuff and his blues stuff. Yeah. Like, his voice is more swingy, but... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this is one of a few songs of his that became, like, blues standards. Like, I've definitely yeah. heard this song, you know, in other contexts. The Blues Brothers. Um, yeah, exactly. The Stones covered it yeah. as well. Chicago, did he? No. Yeah. That's bizarre. Like I said, like I think, you know, historians think he went there at some point to play a little bit, but they don't okay. know. They don't think he was there for very long, I think. Chicago. Um, and then, so, I lied. I want to talk about one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called 3220 Blues. 
This is the one I was talking about that Led Zeppelin just wholesale ripped off. Mm, one as of far as lyrics. Yeah. Um, with the song Traveling Riverside Blues. Nice. Take my 3229, cut her hair thin. She got a 30 stress. Anyway. So, Robert Johnson died in 1938, and there's a lot like almost. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of good. How old was Like it? a lot of good rock and roll. Uh, deaths. There's a lot of theories about how he actually died in the circumstances. Oh, this is my favorite part. Oh, he? How old was he? Yeah. Is that what you asked? He was 27. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, okay. I know. It's oh. wild. That's weird. That he ended yeah. up being 27 when he was in the 27 Club, right? Oh, that's so that's crazy. The first theory, and maybe the like the most prominent one, is that he was murdered uh, oh. after playing a country dance in this small town. Um, there's like different ways in which it was supposed to have happened, but the main story is that he was flirting with this lady whose husband got mad and jealous and gave him poison whiskey that he drank and then died from the poison hmm. whiskey. Um, I imagine at that time you couldn't really taste the difference between regular <laughs> whiskey and poison whiskey. Well, interestingly, there is like there were theories about what the poison was, and one of them's debunked because apparently i forget what poison it was but it was some poison where they were like you would have definitely tasted like even in like the worst whiskey it would have been like noticeable that there was something in it Mm -hmm. uh so they debunked that one but anyway um so apparently the night after the dance he started feeling sick like they'd moved on toward another town he started feeling sick um and they found a place to stay for him to rest uh some plantation where he stayed in like the sharecropper huts or whatever uh, and it worsened over the next few days till he died. Um, so one music historian claims to have interviewed the guy who gave him the poison whiskey, but mm. wouldn't reveal the name or any other details. So, you know, <laughs> seems iffy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so that's kind of the most prominent one. But then another one or another uh, theory is several years later, I think around the time when they found his birth certificate, uh, someone from the county where he died was asked to like expand on his death, like do a little investigation and see if they could find out anything more. So they interviewed the plantation owner who, you know, let him stay in the employee quarters, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, While he was sick, they interviewed the plantation owner and he said he had syphilis and was and died from that yeah that one holds up yeah that one definitely holds up um and then the last idea just there's this doctor who looked at the you know three photos of robert johnson and theorized that he might have had marfan syndrome um because he said he had unusually long fingers and a bad eye in the photos Ah. yeah which apparently marfan syndrome can like cause a lot of problems obviously but one that they think matches like his symptoms that he had before he died which was like several days of cramps and vomiting and all that um yeah one of them was aortic dissection 
which I did not go too into detail on that one because it was pretty disturbing, but it appears to just be internal bleeding so intense you die. So Oh, yeah, cool. That's fun. Um, so do you think yeah. he was like Paganini in that he, you know, his fingers were so long and he could play the guitar so good? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, oh, are you not familiar with Paganini? I don't know what Paganini is. Uh, he was a, he was a violinist who wrote like mm. crazy music on the violin in you know, oh. the nineteenth century, and like nobody can really play it because yeah. he had some sort of syndrome that made his fingers like you know That's three wild. inches longer than most people's, and yeah. so a lot of people can't play huh. it. But we have the music he wrote, and apparently it's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so kind of like the crossroads, he has three different gravestones because no one oh. knows where he was buried. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I want that. So the town he oh, died. You know what's going. funny? I just looked yeah. it up. Uh, Paganini had Marfan syndrome. Okay, he had Marfan. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's how Robert Johnson could play. You know, two guitar parts at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so he died in this town called Greenwood. So there's two churches near there that have gravestones from him in their graveyards. Um, and then there's another one, another grave in Arkansas where one of his ex-girlfriends claimed he was buried years later. Hmm. And then in 2019, a different historian again, uh, said or theorized that he most likely was just buried like in the plantation, like in just an yeah. unmarked, you know, grave at the plantation. Cause that's what would have made the most sense. Cause he was, you know, this poor random poor dude who showed guy. up and yeah. they kept him, you know. Like, it was already not, it was probably already a lot that they even let him stay there. So, like, the idea that they would have then, like, worked really hard to get him a, you know, nice grave in the grave. church yeah. nearby. Just, it I mean, it's like how, likely. yeah, I think, like, every blues musician from, like, the 30s until the 50s, yeah. they didn't have, fuck, like, little Walter didn't have a gravestone until... Like the '80s, and I think Eric Clapton bought him one or something. Yeah. Well, and like yeah, Hall- funny, Howlin' Wolf too. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny about the gravestones is that like, so the first one that was like the first place where they were pretty sure he was buried, Columbia Records randomly, like in the '50s, paid to have yeah. a big gravestone, like a monument, kind of erected, and yeah. then, uh, like other people, I forget who, like raised money for a different one at a different church, and then just some random band, like in the 2000s when the Arkansas one was like rumored to be true just some band bought a plaque to like put there <laughs> it was so yeah. weird so it is all just like this weird fan stuff basically like there's no official one but so what it sounds like is he definitely just buried in a shallow grave at that plantation i mean probably yeah but yeah people got maybe not shallow so yeah. obviously since he doesn't really have albums like in his lifetime they're all just released as 78 singles you know yeah. with an a and a b side so and then there were a, there's like some quote unquote definitive albums from the 60s, you know, but and there's like the complete Robert Johnson recording. But all that is we're not really going to rate his albums, but just what do you think of Robert Johnson, PJ? I like Robert Johnson. Um I I understand why somebody would listen to it and be like, not for me. Um yeah. but I I don't know what it is about like old Delta Blues music that I just really enjoy. Um it's like it's so simplistic in that it's just like a guitar and a voice that it's really nice to listen to when you're like 
when you're working on stuff. So like I said, I was doing a lot of woodworking and it was like perfect to listen to because there wasn't a lot going on. I wasn't like grooving to it, but I was like, man, this song fucking rules. Um, so, you know, I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, he is good. He, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm ever really going to be able to turn the corner into being a, a huge acoustic blues fan from, from any era, but I can understand that he's good. Mostly I just feel like he's great as like, as this figure in music history. Like, yeah. Um, well, everybody references him. Yeah. Like in exactly. everything, like he wrote the blues. Yeah. Kind of, you know, and like just his whole, the whole legend about him is something that I was saying before we started recording. I'm like, I think I've known almost all of the like significant parts of his story. My, like whole adult yeah. life but i've barely listened to his music i don't even think i've ever read anything about it like i've just soaked it in from yeah being a music fan and everything um knowing i think honestly i think it's probably when i was a little kid and my parent and my dad watched eric clapton crossroads yeah i honestly <laughs> think i probably asked why is it called crossroads and like you know that's your first kind of intro to that whole legend so um, um yeah the whole like selling yeah selling your soul to the devil at the crossroads is just yeah a like well, and, iconic part of music history it's kind of annoying that his biggest fan is eric clapton because eric clapton doesn't like black people <laughs> yeah eric clapton and, will show up with Jimi hendrix too and you're like god i thought <laughs> what? well and he yeah. didn't like him at first yeah probably because he was black um but also too recently wild. uh too urban <laughs> Um, have you heard the thing, the most recent shitty thing that Eric Clapton uh, has no. done? Keep me, I, yeah, this keep me is not a Eric Clapton, Clapton hate podcast, but it maybe should be. It kind of is um, now, yeah. Keep the, he's keep the such listeners a up to fucking date asshole. what he's up to. So he sold this little old lady whose husband had died and she was just like, you know, I think her husband worked his whole life and like, she's like on a fixed income, like doesn't make very much money. So she was selling a lot of his stuff on eBay to just like get money and uh there was like a bootleg eric clapton vinyl oh god that sold for like 12 dollars. yeah and he sued her <laughs> over selling that on ebay and he won and took a lot of money from yeah. her and this was like last month what a cool guy what, what a cool piece guy. of fucking shit Jesus. oh god i hate him yeah god damn and it's stupid face i wish he would just die of a fucking alcohol well, overdose or yeah. some shit i Something mean painful i don't know i think we can promise right now we will never cover eric clapton on our show we will oh, only cover never. him in that if he shows up as a side character in some music story for the people we are covering we'll just talk about how much of a piece of shit he is it's and then go absolutely away. true he's the <laughs> fucking worst yeah. um wouldn't it have been great if he had yeah. joined the 27 club and then people could fucking Right, idolize appreciate him. his music yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um I don't even know what we were talking about before this. Oh, well, oh. I was going to jump into or just his influence like on the 27 club. Uh yeah. like obviously we'll we'll get to artists from here on out, but I feel like we can say he's like he has a pretty incredible influence on the idea of the club just cuz like imagine when the club idea kind of started in the early 70s like right around being right around the time that they figured out that he actually died when he was 27 and so like yeah. just the 
like you know kind of stoned connecting the dots mind-blowing aspect of like holy shit and this guy who they were all influenced by and like they were all blues guys who like and ladies janice uh who you know like sold their souls to the devil and all died young like it's just it enhances like the myth of that by a lot for sure like it would be a lot less of a cool story without him being in there with the whole exactly and and soul selling thing the fact that like yeah it's the devil selling thing and then that his whole being is shrouded in mystery mm-hmm. yeah. including his death which is kind of the same with like everybody who died in it yeah. um yeah. yeah every like main member there's it's like we don't really know how they died because there was you know um hey by the way uh just so we don't forget we're gonna try and do this more regularly on the show so we're expecting emails but if you want to email us with your thoughts uh, on any of the musicians we're talking through or on the 27 Club, uh, or you know what? We're still taking thoughts on the Beach Boys or the Rolling Stones. Yeah. If you're just if you're still listening through or if you're listening to their music. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and the 27 Club time. is a limited run. So if you have any ideas of who we should talk about after the 27 well, every Club. every artist is a limited run. We're eventually going to get to the end of everybody. Well, I know, but like, who should we talk about after we're done with the 27 Got it, Club? yeah. So send and if, any of those And thoughts, if you say Amy Winehouse, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. To, uh, oh, Billie Eilish will be the next member. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's- For sure. Let's actually stray away from suggesting members for the club. That feels a little bit too morbid to me. Post um, Malone. Okay, no. He's next, that <laughs> motherfucker. So, um, the email is oh. beachboysboys at gmail.com, not- the Beach Boys Boys. It is just Beach Boys Boys at gmail.com. And the password for that is capital K. Oh, you motherfucker. Time to log in so you can email us. Uh, so, but otherwise, PJ, let's wrap up real quick with let's rate Robert Johnson. So, as a member of the 27 Club, what would you rate him out of 27? Okay. I, I just want to say real quick, I shouldn't have said that thing about Post Malone because he's 26 right now. So. Oh, no. It's too close. Oh, yeah, yeah Billy's got a few we, years to go. She's got a lot of great music to release. But uh, If we start predicting this shit, yeah. maybe we should cast a wide net. Maybe. Yeah. So then we get at least one. <laughs> Don't do that. So we get at least one. God damn it. Um, I would say, I mean, he is a lesser known member. He's True. not oftentimes included in the murals Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's just kind of the key four and then kurt cobain yeah but i think like the whole mythos behind the 27 club is a little bit driven by him yeah so it's hard to say i know it's i'm not it is a tough one yeah because i like he's almost the old i mean i guess maybe i don't quite know the stories of some future members as much uh, yeah. But I kind of feel like he's almost the ultimate 27 club member. Like he just seems like he has the craziest kind of life and story. And yeah. like, you're right that it just, it feels like the 27 club would not be like kind of, I mean, I guess the whole late sixties deaths were. But then this like, time into it, like a perfect bow on but, the gift. Yeah, is like... exactly. Like it adds so much. So I feel like it's not quite a full 27, but it's I'm gonna up go there. 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go a little high. I was gonna go maybe like, honestly, I was gonna go 24 or 25. But I don't know. It's hard to know with just our first one because like, yeah, maybe other people. We'll, we'll, 
Yeah. We'll circle back to it at the end. In case we realize we way over or under ranked Robert Johnson. But I guess, yeah. you know, there can be multiple 27s. It's not like, it's not like, you know, there has to be kind of a ranking. That's Just true. How much do they feel like a member of the 27 club? So. I, and I think I only went so low because not many people include him. True. Although he should be included. Like, I, I, I think don't wanna, fully he should be. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, talk bad about any other members that are show up in murals and stuff, but he feels like an, an easy inclusion to me. Like a. Yeah an obvious one but i think so too yeah anyhow well pj this has been and well listeners <laughs> this has been uh the inaugural episode of the 27 club podcast uh, um and and so let me let me say if people are mad that we didn't do like you know it's the beach boys boys and then the rolling stones studs yeah we're going to be in the 27 club so it we don't even need to like be the 27 club club yeah because we're already a part well we will be a part of it shortly i mean we're definitely i think the leading members of the 27 club fan club that's true uh but it's also but like that doesn't quite have you know a ring to it like the no like the beach boys so so. if you want to refer to it as the 27 club club that's fine the 27 club cast there you, you go. Prefer yeah. Shortening podcast to cast. Yeah. That works. But I just didn't want people yeah. to be upset about that because well, I've already had one complaint. Yeah. So. Well, PJ, we'll uh, I'll see you next time at the crossroads, man. Sure will, Pete. A Beach Boys Boys production.